podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello everyone, to continue our support to job seekers and professionals who are going through these challenging times. Today, we are speaking to Amy Jacobson. She is an expert on human behavior and emotional intelligence. Today's topic for this podcast is about emotional intelligence and how we can leverage knowing our emotions to better our career, to grow our career and to find a job that we are looking for. So let's talk to Amy and find out more. Terrible. Sorry. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I'm using classical. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Naisha Gadani coming to you live uh, from India. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are tuning in to listen to uh, the LinkedIn Live and be part of LinkedIn Live. So, uh, I'm originally from Melbourne, uh, currently in India, locked down at least until 3rd of May, and then my fate will be decided. Uh, my my collaborator is in uh, Gippsland, uh, Caroline Brown, and me and Caroline have been doing the LinkedIn Live, which we call Career Care Package, for over three weeks now. And this would be our uh, probably 18th or 19th LinkedIn Live. And uh, the journey has been absolutely amazing because what we thought we could do uh, to, to be of service to the job seekers is to provide a bit of hope, guidance, and insights uh, to the job seekers. And I think we hear so many job losses and redundancies every day. That is frightening, and we completely understand that. Uh, we don't claim that we have got all the answers to questions. However, we want to bring uh, guests and experts from different, different industries, different experiences, who can shed some light on how people can handle this uh, situation. So I, with that, I want to welcome my uh, collaborator, Caroline Brown. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks for having me, Naish. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you, Amy, because um, emotional intelligence like has such uh, resonance across all areas of our lives, not not just you know our careers as well. So I've got a few penetrating questions that I've written down to fire off at you as well. So hopefully I won't put you on the spot though. <laughs> I look forward to them. Great. Uh, thank Excellent. you so, so much. Amy, if you, before we start, if you can just briefly give people an idea about your, you know, your background, uh, your journey so far, that would be awesome. 
Sure, no worries. Uh, so I specialise in emotional intelligence and uh, human behaviour. Now, my background's a little bit different, actually, than probably most people that specialise in this area. So I've always had a fascination for the mind. Um, if I think way back to uh, fresh out of school or even towards the end of school, I always had a fascination with how, how the mind actually worked and uh, thought I wanted to get into forensics, uh, which is very much that criminal psychology uh, I'm a very visual person and quickly realised that that's probably not a good idea and I wouldn't be able to put those imageries to bed and really have that switch off. So uh, I, went into, I went into the corporate world and I was in insurance for 19 years, uh, which um, I have to say I loved and I still do have a real soft spot for the insurance industry, but I love corporate world as well. And through those years, I continued to do my studies and uh, I guess I... My main focus was to bring more emotional intelligence into corporate world. So I worked a lot with teams on how to improve their emotional intelligence, really talk about their human behaviour and kind of lift them up to that next level uh, from a performance point of view. So I did leave the corporate world a couple of years ago and um, and went full time into my business, which I absolutely love. And I get to work with the most amazing people over every type of industry. And, and I think uh, it, it certainly shows that it doesn't matter what industry you're in, uh, emotional intelligence impacts it significantly. And it doesn't matter what skill set you have, the same emotional intelligence problems occur in every industry. So it's not really that different from industry to industry. We're seeing the same things happen that are really holding people back. I know that there's a lot of different definitions of emotional intelligence, but what's something, um, you know, for people that have heard the term but are not too sure what it means, maybe if you can perhaps break it down for people so they <laughs> understand what the elements are that go into having um, high emotional intelligence. Sure. So human intelligence is all about understanding what makes us tick and then also what makes the people around us tick and the, and the kind of influence that we have and impact that we have on those around us. There's five key areas of emotional intelligence. Now, you're right, Carolyn, in that the more that you research into it, some people um, will call them slightly different terms. Mm. Uh, basically what they are is those five areas are self-awareness, which is the first place to start, right, because it's, it's very hard to even comprehend what makes other people tick until you really understand what makes you tick. So there's mm. a lot around self-awareness and understanding yourself and being able to control your mindset as well. Then we head into self-regulation and that's all about, okay, I know who I am, but I just can't control it. I just, you know, I know I probably shouldn't say that, but it comes out of my mouth before I get a chance to stop myself. So self-regulation is all about uh, knowing who you are, but then learning how to regulate it and how to control yourself in certain situations. Then we have a communication, which is often referred to as social skills uh, within other definitions. I like to look at it more as communication because I think social skills Yes, it covers a lot, but I think there is a whole bigger field in communication than there is solely in social skills. Mm. Uh, we also have the what I like to call people skills, uh, which again can be referred to as empathy by many people. Now, empathy is probably the key area of leadership skills. However, again, I think that there is there is a whole greater world when it comes to people skills and just empathy as well, especially in the workplace. And the fifth one is motivation. And that's all around just actually how you motivate yourself and other people around you to get things done. Mm. So there's kind of a broad definition of emotional intelligence. As I said, you write it, it does change from people to people. Mm. But uh, I guess I look at it and say um, 
every single thing that we do as people emotional intelligence is involved in uh, from mm. human through to everything that's happening at the moment and I think um, you know you have a look at anything in the media name anything and we can tell you how emotional intelligence played a role in that happening or played a role mm. in the response that occurred so mm. it's everything and it's funny because people do say it has more bearing on your success than um, like normal intel in intelligence, so um, cognitive intelligence. So, yeah, no, it's a fantastic um, definition. Just one question. How do you, how do people, do people know that they don't have emotional intelligence? So how would not having that kind of play out, do you think? Uh, look, I, I think I have different types of people come to me. I think you can meet people and you know they just naturally have emotional intelligence. And, in fact, you can meet some kids that you can see emotional intelligence in them at such an early age and it comes naturally mm -hmm. to them. You can find other people that um, know they they know what emotional intelligence is and they're at that stage where they can admit to themselves that they probably don't have enough of it or they need to mm -hmm. work on it. Uh, so that's a lot of people that come to me and say, you know, I know who I am and I know the mistakes I make or the impact I have on other people. However, I just don't know how to change it. Can you help me? Mm. And then you have the third type of people who are the, probably the ones that you mentioned that don't know that they lack in emotional intelligence. Mm. And I think in all of the events and workshops that I do, there is always people sitting in there thinking, oh, I wish such and such was here and they could hear this. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. it is very much around the fact that, unfortunately, some of us that need it the most are the ones that don't realise we lack in it. Mm. Or, sadly, there is a real buzzword concept around emotional intelligence uh, that people tend to relate to. I would say, like, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but mm. uh, positive affirmations. But emotional intelligence is so much more than positive mm. affirmations. It's, um, it's a real skill set and... Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that probably don't realise they they could be so much more successful mm. in intelligence. Yeah, so I guess it's that level of self-awareness is that you're identified as a um, a core part of that. So Yeah, yeah. that's the first thing. I think if you don't have that self-awareness, uh, then you can't learn it. So th there is no point in me sitting with somebody and trying to teach them emotional intelligence if they don't have that self-awareness because you've got to want to learn it. It's... It's not something that you learn and all of a sudden you're emotionally intelligent. You learn the skills to it and then mm. you need to know how to apply it and you need to work on applying it every single day. I was going to say that. I would imagine it's a lifelong journey because there are so many different things going on in the workplace or in, in the world in general that you can be very easily triggered and if you don't know what your triggers are, then, you know, you're... Um, bound to react in ways that aren't particularly productive and that type of thing. So, yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, I specialise in it and I still have moments, um, particularly with my kids or at home, where I think, you know, I do something or say something and I think, wow, that, that was a very <laughs> weird thing <I> from. <laughs> Take a step back on that. So, yeah. I, you know, even even for us that work in the field and study it quite frequently, it's, it's, it's something you've got to work on. It's something mm. you've got to be aware of be very mm. conscious and, and put into play all the time. Yeah. Nish, did yeah, you so have it's something that you've you got to sort of continuously, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a skill that you can acquire or it's a skill that you can mm. continue to build on rather than a permanent thing that once you've learned it, uh, that's pretty much it. It's an ongoing everyday process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
And, and, and I think too, if you think about it, every single person that you interact with is slightly different. So what works in a communication style for one person is not going to work for another person. So you might be really effective, effective in communicating with one person or leading one person or influencing or, you know, having great empathy with one person and you move on to the next person and try the same approach and it just doesn't work because they are different and you need you need to have the ability to actually adapt your style using those core skills that you've learned. So I was curious about, I think there's a bit of a time yeah. delay. So, oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. No, no, you go. It's okay. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is that, you know, that we can measure in, you know, IQ, uh, you, know, you know, there are tests available, but are there kind of tests available for even emotional intelligence that, you know, I can measure from one to hundred, I am at two or I am at 58 or 67 or whatever are there kind of validated uh, you know uh, assessments available for people or is it based on the assessment of experts like you yes there is i mean the short answer is yes there is quizzes there's assessments there's things that you can do uh, the accuracy of them look i'm probably going against everybody in the industry when i say this but i tend to think that um they're just not that accurate it depends on the mindset that you're in when you answer those quizzes it depends on the stage of your life that you're in when you're answering those quizzes and, and what you're thinking about at the same time as well i much prefer to come to it from a different angle i think rather than uh, getting a rating and putting everyone into a box based on their rating I think it's more effective to flip it and to talk about what emotionally intelligent people do in certain situations and for people to understand how an emotionally intelligent person would react and then for them to look and go, okay, what is the gap for me? How do I become that person? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit... Um, I'm a little bit, I wouldn't say sceptical. I guess I am. I, I'm a little bit sceptical on some of those quizzes. Uh, and I think, I just think that there are better ways to do it. I, I'm not big on putting a definition out there as to this is how you should be, what you should say and, and how you should act and then rating someone else based on that because, as I said before, different different approaches and different styles work with different people. So I think it's more important to worry about how can I how can I be the best version? I know that sounds really cliche, but how do I be the best version of myself rather than be a definition in an assessment? That's a, a great a great way to put, put it. What about, um, is there sort of any research around the measurable impact on people's leadership success with, you know, leaders with high EQ? Is there anything that is sort of linked to employee engagement or productivity or even business results that, that you're aware of? So this is the hardest thing with emotional intelligence in that uh, it is very hard to measure. Mm. It's extremely hard to look at the success of a company or the success of a person or a business and directly relate it back to emotional intelligence because it's not something statistical that you can measure. However, mm. I, I would suggest if we had a look at the most successful companies and the most inspirational successful people in this world, the differentiator that they have is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So I think that in any, if we look at any industry, right, everyone's got their own competitors and it doesn't take long for a company to 
launch a product that then their competitors jump onto and they mirror that product. They mirror the definition, the pricing, the, the benefits of that product. But what they can't mirror is the emotional intelligence within the team of that company and mm. how they actually act with their customers and how they deliver it. And that's what makes the difference between a company being successful. And I think if we take a step back and look at two companies, two competitors side by side, it does make you wonder if they've got identical products and, you know, and they're in the same market, why aren't they as successful as each other? And it really comes down to that emotional intelligence and how they're communicating, how they're selling their product, the experience that they're leaving on people. Mm. Um, because everything that we do as customers or as clients is for an emotional outcome. Mm. We literally do not do anything in life except for looking for a specific emotional outcome. That's why we buy things. That's why mm. we do everything. So those ones that are really successful are nailing that emotional outcome for their customers. So mm. a bit of a roundabout answer, but no, very hard. Yeah. yeah. You can certainly, I guess it's like work, walking into a cafe, right? There's two cafes on a strip and one cafe, you go in and you stand there for ages and the waiters talk and you don't get a table versus a cafe that you're walking. And somebody says, hi, would you like a seat? You know, how are you feeling today? And there's that, and you know, they may offer the same thing, but guess which one you go back to? It's the, the one where you've made to feel, you know, extremely welcome. I think so. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's the same product, and and you can tell the the genuine response from those people as well. You can tell whether they're reading off a script that says "ask if you want fries with that." You can mm. tell that they have that emotional intelligence that is naturally con connecting them with people. Mm. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think. I think if we have a look at, um, if I just add to that with the whole, whole COVID-19 at the moment, mm. um, I think when we have a look at all of the different leaders around the world and how they're responding in their communication, you can very easily tell the leaders who have emotional intelligence versus mm. the ones that probably could do with a little bit more emotional intelligence. So it gives you a very good live idea of um, <laughs> the have and yeah. the confidence it gives people just to have that emotional intelligence yeah there's certainly the extremes i, I think in you know, the leadership like it, i mean everyone praises jacinda adern just because she she doesn't need to be coached on the words the right words and the right feeling come that people you know and it, well i'm just being political now but it encapsulates what what people are feeling really quickly i think and that's why people connect with with what she's actually saying so and she doesn't need to say a lot of words and that's the other thing too i think it's you know two or three things and you're like okay she gets it or i get it so yeah but, um that's yeah. My questions. yeah excellent so for those you know people who are listening if you've got any questions for amy uh please uh comment on the linkedin live stream and i'll uh you know make sure that you get your question answered we've received a question uh, amy about emotional intelligence and the connection to parenting uh, i think you touched upon that uh, a little while but but i guess that that's probably one of the well, one of the toughest thing you know because you are you are I'm, I'm with my kids here in india and i can see sometimes they get agey because we can't even go outside you know forget about you know doing any outdoor activities right and they seem to become agey and i'm busy and my wife's busy and everything else and you know so how it is you know so two two aspects so one is obviously you're in a lockdown situation or you isolated and the second is is the connection of emotional intelligence to parenting what are your thoughts on this one 
Yeah, okay. So I might answer the, the second part of the question first. The relationship between emotional intelligence and parents and children. Uh, I think kids, we do emotional intelligence with young children quite well. Um, and they, they do emotional intelligence quite well as well. We're very encouraging. We're encouraging them to talk, to walk, to, you know, to talk about how they feel, to, uh, to really nail some of these skills. As they get older, uh, the emotional intelligence probably starts to, to pander off and uh, it's probably when they need it more than anything. It's, it's as kids go into, you know, late primary school and especially into high school that they start hitting some of the most emotionally tough times of their life. They're going through puberty, they're going through the whole bullying, their online social media, all of that stuff. Uh, and as parents, and, and I'm a parent myself of um, a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, and as parents, I think we we can get caught up in the whole, you know, school's not that hard. Like, we've been there, we've done it. Uh, you know, you wait till you get to the real world. You wait, wait till you get to the real world. <laughs> like, you've got it so easy. And and, uh, and I think it's so important for us to understand the stage that our children are going through and to be able to have that, those empathetic conversations where, you know, your children are so scared or they're so worried or they're, they're stressed out about a situation that, that to them is huge. But to us, we're looking going like that is a drop in the ocean compared to, you know, my day at work. So uh, I think as parents, we, we probably can do some emotional intelligence better. And I actually, I would love to see more emotional intelligence in high schools and especially in university, because I think we focus on that IQ path so strongly. And, and I've worked with many uh, graduates that come out of university and they are, they are smart kids. Like they have yeah. skills that are just outstanding, but they don't know how to communicate. They don't know mm. how to be in a workplace. They don't know how to communicate their skills and come across in that emotionally intelligent way. So uh, that part of the question, yes, emotionally intelligent, emotional intelligence is extremely important as a parent. I think sometimes we just need to stop ourselves and think about that empathy and think, you know, um, how does it feel? Not so much the situation that the children are in, but if you can see that your child is extremely stressed or sad or unhappy or overwhelmed, it's not thinking about whether um, whether it's accurate to have that emotion in that situation or whether they're overreacting. What we should be thinking is, okay, when was the last time I felt that stressed or that anxious or that overwhelmed? And it'll be a totally different situation. But once we can align to the emotion that they're feeling, then we know what is the worst thing that somebody could say to me if I'm that stressed or that anxious or that overwhelmed. And what is the best thing that somebody can say to me? Mm. And that's what I would encourage people to do. I was watching one of your videos before um, we did this today and it was like, oh, yes, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Just calm down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, but, uh, no. And if I go into the first part of that question, which is around lockdown at the moment, right, some challenging, challenging times and, uh, you know, I... Oh, I don't envy people with younger parents. I mean, at younger kids, my kids are 13 and 11. So it is, yes, it's still challenging, but nowhere near as challenging, I think, as some people with younger children. Uh, my best advice from an emotional intelligence point of view for those people in lockdown at the moment with their kids and trying to bring emotional intelligence into it is that we need to remember that these circumstances are extreme. 
uh, trying to play that many roles at once is extremely hard. So those parents that are home at the moment trying to play the role of a work person or keeping a business afloat or an employee, plus they're trying to be a parent and entertain, plus they're also trying to be a school teacher and make sure they're getting their education and they're trying to be a partner as well and worry about have we got enough food, have we got enough toilet paper, you know, there are so many roles that we are trying to multi-skill at the moment. And we know through research that your mind cannot, cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. So I would really encourage everyone to know the role that you are playing at that moment. So if if, if your child comes into and they need a hand with a, with a school question or an answer or something like that, then stop being that worker, stop being that that wife or that husband, stop being the mum and be the teacher because a teacher wouldn't yell at your children. A teacher wouldn't be drinking a glass of wine while you're answering that question. <laughs> and a teacher wouldn't be scrolling through social media and trying to do something else at the same time. So I think my best advice is, is, just, is just stop and play one role at a time, even if it's in five to ten, in, five to ten minute increments, just one role. It's going to be interesting coming from this time about how we all emerge from this like intensity of, you know, the of of people in the room and scenarios and trying to adapt, and then what else is going on on outside as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to jump in with a different kind of question, but just picking up on something that you said before about graduates and as Neshad and I are running these sessions really to help people find find jobs and so you, you go through and you get your degree and you get great results and you're very accomplished and um, you know the communication skills a lot of people when you ask them what their strengths are that they will say they've got good communication skills because they can speak basically um, mm -hmm. how, how do you think emotional intelligence plays out in people's success looking for a job what what are some of the things that you know having high IQ oh, sorry high EQ would help with with that so I think when you're going through the recruitment process, uh, I think IQ is something that they already know about you before you come to the interview. They've, they've mm. read your resume, they've read your qualifications, they know your background. Yes, they'll test out some of your IQ in the interview as well, but I think ultimately interviews are actually created for a test on emotional intelligence. What mm. they're doing is they're seeing how well you communicate with them. They're seeing, they're asking you questions around how you handle certain situations. How, you know, what did you do in that situation to be able to get to, to the solution in mind? Uh, it is ultimately, they're testing all your people skills in that room then and there. So I think that you can have the strongest, and look, look I've said it to so many people before, I think that IQ will help you to get a job, but it's hmm. EQ that actually gets you promoted. And mm. when you get in, IQ will help you to get that interview, but it's EQ that will actually get you the job. Mm. Uh, so it's really important, I think, when you're going to an interview and uh, I was speaking with um, the recruitment industry yesterday, yesterday, the day before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Oh, I, was <laughs> I was speaking to the recruitment association across Australia, New Zealand, and um, and they were asking, you know, when you've got a candidate sitting in front of you, how do you know if they're emotionally intelligent or not? Mm -hmm. And and I think this applies to your question too, Carolyn, in that when we go into an interview, it it's not about us. And I know that sounds strange, right, because you're there to be interviewed and they want to know mm -hmm. all about you. But an emotionally intelligent person, when they go into an interview, 
more spins it and understands about what they're looking for, what the need of the interviewee is, what the mm. need of is uh, what the benefits of like how can I add value to this benefit not what you know it's not to sit there and and brag about all of your qualifications did mm. it's really about getting that emotional intelligence across so I think the more emotional intelligence we can have when we go into an interview the higher the chance of actually landing that job it's mm. really interesting I think because um, a lot of people don't connect right that they, they think it they don't connect with it's what the employer is looking for you to demonstrate versus what you actually want. And a lot of the people, a lot, a lot of people, you know, their first question starts with what I want, which is a fair part of the equation. But um, they do forget a lot of the time about how am I going to demonstrate that I can add value to that particular organisation? What do they want? Why they create the role? What are their challenges? You know, what are they looking for? I think. Yeah. Um, that's a big part that gets gets overlooked a lot of the times. So, yeah. I, I think so because I think if you look at anybody walking into a new role or a new company, uh, every company is different. So they're going to have to train you no matter what, right? It, it's mm. not like you go straight into that company and know the job and do it. Even if you've been doing an identical job at another company, you're still going to need to learn their systems, how they do it, their, their culture, how they approach things. So what they're testing out for you in that interview is how trainable are you? Mm. Like, we can teach, like we can teach you the systems, we can teach you the processes, we can teach you our strategy, but are you going to take it in? Uh, mm -hmm. Are you actually going to own it and, and adapt to it? And can you communicate it? And, you know, can you put your pride aside and know when you don't know an answer and how to mm -hmm. ask that question? So that's exactly what they are testing your emotional intelligence is exactly mm -hmm. what they're doing in an interview. I think that's also, sorry, I'm conscious that I'm sort of, firing off questions but there's that level of connection that people have you know how well that that kind of sense of how well do you fit the team like how well do I connect with you how well are you listening how well are you responding all of those sorts of things that you can't you know see on a, a resume and a piece of paper so yeah yeah that's right but I think equally as well I think that there needs to be a lot more emotional intelligence in leaders that are recruiting in those interviews as well yeah because Sometimes what we naturally do is create a team that are all mirror images of ourselves. Mm. So they're all the same type of people in cookie-cutter approaches and uh, that's not a successful team. A successful mm. team every type of skilling. Yes, they still need to be able to work together uh, and have that cultural fit, but a cultural fit does not mean the same personality or the same style. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, Nash, did you have a few okay. questions? Yeah, so you know, so all, uh, what I understand is that emotional intelligence is your kind of an X factor. What really makes you special than someone else? So knowing, you know, being aware about yourself, um, you know, specifically in the context of jobs and career, I think it is becoming imperative now, at least in this COVID nineteen times and even post COVID nineteen times. Is is, is is the more that you are aware about yourself, what value do you bring and how do you think about problems and and then position it across to the employer. So the employer sees that that you are, are really coming across as genuine problem solver for them. But that that ultimately it all starts with you being absolutely aware of, of yourself. So we obviously, you know, look at strength and everything else, but can you, can you guide our, our listeners about practical ways that people can really build or develop their 
emotional intelligence, uh, you know, or where do people really start from? Yeah. So we need to start with, uh, as you said, with ourselves, and we need to start with our own mindset. Uh, our mind is an extremely powerful thing, right? In that, if we haven't got control of our own of our own mindset, and we're not um, comfortable with the situation and what's going on, then we kind of get stuck in our own minds. And you can see a lot of people going through this with COVID. When you're stuck in your own mind, you've got that fear or that fight for survival, or you know, not knowing what to do. You cannot even fathom what's happening around you to anybody else because you're so stuck in your own mind and your own fears and your own concerns. The people that are really standing out through um, this very challenging situation, I, I think it's amazing. There are people that are standing out that are not in leadership roles. There are people that are standing out. I've been speaking to companies and they're saying, you know, this person's been amazing and we've never, ever, you know, noticed this skill in them before. And what these people are able to do is actually very quickly get control of their own mindset, be comfortable with the situation, know how to mitigate uh, because it's we're going it's unknown territory, right? We don't know whether it's going to last three weeks, three months, six months, 12 months, however it is. So it's being comfortable with not knowing the answer and that uncertainty to then be able to put yourself aside and be concerned about the people around you to make sure those around you are okay. And the companies that are doing really well and the people that are doing really well are doing exactly this. They've got themselves sorted out really fast and then they've looked at the people around them and gone, what can I do to make sure I'm giving the right support to my teams, to my peers, to my neighbour, to, you know, anybody that I can that I can reach at this point in time. So I think um, the most important thing for emotional intelligence is you have to start with yourself. You, can, you cannot skip that step. As much as you want to, you cannot skip that step. You really need to get your own mindset right, get comfortable with that mindset. Once you've got your own mindset right and you're okay, then kind of, you know, put others first. Have a look at the impact it's having on other people. And it's so easy for us to look and go, well, you know, it's not that bad. And similarly, Carolyn, to the video that you watched of mine, it, it's easy to look at people that are stressed at the moment or not coping mm. and going, well, you know, it's not really that bad. Like I'm working from home fine. Maybe if you try this or do this, you'll be fine. <laughs> but it is really a matter of understanding their their current mindset and their wellness and what what it will take for them to feel comfortable, for them to get to a place where we are already at. And that's probably the, the biggest thing that I could I could say to people now. And, and that comes from asking the right questions and pausing and just listening. There, there's nothing more powerful than somebody pausing and letting somebody else speak and actually listen to what they say. So that's probably my best advice at this point. No, it's great advice because I think we sometimes we rush in to help and, and without fully being present and fully listening to, to what people are saying. But, you know, if people really believe that they're heard, then you've solved half the problem because you know, whatever's coming out of your mouth is in response to I understand what you're saying, I think. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's validation, right? I think mm. anyone in an emotional state, if you go right into straight away into solution mode, you're mm. kind of um, you're brushing over their emotional state. So mm. whether they're really angry or stressed or anxious, if you instantly give them a solution, they feel like they haven't been heard and they mm. feel like, there and the emotions that they're feeling 
aren't relevant or aren't validated. And mm. in most of those situations, if you don't validate their feelings or their emotions first, they will instantly go into defense mode and tell you every reason why that won't work. So every and you've been in that situation before, right, where you know the solution to them and you give it to them, but you know as soon as you open your mouth, they're already ready to tell you why it's not going to work. It, mm. it, it, that won't work. Or I, I've tried that. Or, you know, oh, no, you don't understand. You have mm. to stop and listen first and validate their emotion, their emotional mm. response before you go into solution mode together. Mm. What is, what's, what are a couple of great questions that you can ask when, when you want to understand where people are coming from, where, where you want to show them that you're, you're trying to understand or trying to empathise with their situation? Yeah, so it is question after question after question, basically. Mm. It is, it, it's challenging for us because as soon as our mind feels like we know the answer, we want to say it, right? Um, mm. But asking the right questions, and this is what a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fantastic coaches out there and that's what coaches do. They just ask really great questions. They don't actually give answers. The kind of questions I would always start with is the first one is, how are you? Uh, mm. And, you know, most people give an automatic response that just says, yeah, I'm good. Oh, I'm good, you know. But it's a matter of actually not jumping on top of them and just pausing and seeing what actually follows that. Because a lot of the time when you say, how are you, and someone says, good, and you just pause and wait, you'll actually mm. get a follow-on. They'll, they'll actually tell you what they really are feeling because it's made them stop and think about it as well. Mm. But if you get a no and, and you can tell that something is wrong with this person, then I would continue to ask questions like, oh, okay, you know, you don't seem yourself today. Are you sure everything's mm. all right? Is there anything mm. I can do to help? Uh, how, you know, do you feel like you're your normal self? Um, you know, how's your day been? How's the family? Asking mm. them all questions around them to really show them that the focus is on them and mm. that it's okay to talk. Now, what we need to remember with questions is that generally it takes five to seven times of asking someone the same question before you get the truth. Wow. Before, okay. Before you have <laughs> past that conscious mind and into their subconscious mind okay so the more that yeah. you are and it doesn't need to be exactly the same question it just as i said yeah. it could be how are you oh you don't seem yourself are you sure you're okay you know yeah how's your day been? Uh, have you had a tough week when you continue to ask those questions you'll get yeah. short and they'll get longer and longer and longer and then by the end you'll probably they'll probably just let it all out and tell you exactly how they feel yeah. Or that power of the pause will actually help you get to that five or seven question faster. Wow, five to seven questions. That did not know that. So yeah. <laughs> I'll have to break <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Some people jump to the answer in two or three questions, and they are generally people that are really in touch with their emotions. They usually mm. are most intelligent self-aware people probably not self-regulated mm. but very self-aware so if they jump mm. in and tell you quicker then yeah you know that they're ready to talk about it i think that's such a hard step to go from that self-awareness to self-regulation because you you know sometimes you're just wired to you know <laughs> react and then you go oh god <laughs> did it again <laughs> so self-regulation is by far the hardest hardest part of emotional intelligence to learn mm. Hands down, mm. it is really quite difficult to learn. It doesn't mean that you can't learn it. You just need to be really committed and you've got to want to change. So mm. if you're responding in a certain way, you've got to want to feel a different way. It's mm. We can't switch off our emotions. You've got to want to say, okay, I'm reacting like this, but instead I want to react like this. Mm. Find your way together. That makes sense. 
Nesh, did you have? Uh, no, we don't. I don't have any more questions. Uh, you know, Amy, uh, have you got anything, KB, you want to ask? Yeah, I just wanted to make an observation and maybe you can comment on it, Amy. It's like I find, find in this time all the things that used to bug me don't bug me so much anymore. I don't know what it is about the whole world and the whole circumstance, but everything that was sort of an ongoing annoyance in my life has kind of just disappeared and I'm, I feel a bit more chilled and relaxed about about that. It's quite, have you noticed that with, with people that you're working with as different kind of, or am I the weird one in, in this scenario? <laughs> I don't know, but it's kind of I, like the are you noticing just around COVID or was it prior to that? Are you just... No, just around the whole COVID thing because I, I think the thing about stuff Nishad and I have done together is we've connected with a lot of people via doing this LinkedIn Live, but I don't know if it's that so much, but just there's sort of a bit of let go of anything that's just peripheral um, annoyances really, I think. So, yeah, don't know. I, I would say you've probably got people in two boats at the moment. You've got... Mm. Um, people who are really strung up on their and they're still in that they're lacking that self-awareness they're stuck in their own head and going round and round mm. uh, really struggling with these times whether it's from an anxiety point of view or a stress point of view or just just the fear of the unknown the fear of uncertainty and the fear of like that lack of control that we need because our our minds as humans we need structure we we thrive on structure and yeah. and knowing what's coming so some people are really struggling with it um and a lot of people i'm starting to notice are so many more people coming out really attaching themselves to conspiracy theory because they they yeah. need to blame someone there has to be someone to blame there has to be an answer to everything but then carolyn i'm also noticing people at your end of the spectrum and i think um, for me, those people are the ones that are actually interacting more with others. So they've got mm -hmm. to the point comfortable in their own mind. They're comfortable with their situation. They've been able to put themselves aside and say, okay, how can I help other people now? Like, mm -hmm. what can I do? Uh, so, yes, there are definitely people like that. I would say that's your self-regulation, being able to mm -hmm. regulate, go, okay, I'm okay with the with the situation. I've, you know, I've, I've come to terms with it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm guessing that in your mind you've probably mitigated a lot of the circumstances. So you said, okay, if this happens, then I'll probably do this. If this happens, I'll probably do this. So mm. that kind of unknown isn't isn't as big of an issue to you now mm. and you've been able to actually turn and be able to help out other people as well. So yeah. it's a great oh, place to be, I think. Yeah. 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 Yay me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's a funny thing about because nature, nature and I have been talking about like future of work and uncertainty and things like that. And maybe you've experienced this with your business as well. There's always un, there's always a period of just not knowing what's going to work, you know, and things are not going to work. But but there's also a period that you get to from that, which is that something sticks basically. And that, I guess that maybe that's part of, you know, not being so um yeah just being able to just go with it basically so yeah I think it's acceptance in a lot of terms as well uh I, I think that one of the biggest things to being able to break through or disrupt our mindset is being able to accept and own that every decision is ours mm. uh, I think there's people out there at the moment that are really stuck saying I have to stay home or we're being forced to do this Actually, you're not. There's no one there at your door strapping into a chair and saying you cannot leave and, mm. and stop physically from doing it. People are giving you uh, their very educated advice and based on your priorities and the consequences, 
you are making that decision to stay mm. home. You are making that decision for everything in your life at the moment. And I think when we can get to the point that we can accept that what is happening, we've got control over, uh, it totally flips. It totally changes our mindset into a, into a different place. And, and look, I know I even went through it. I think that first week um, for me when, you know, all of my conferences and events and workshops got postponed or cancelled and it was just email after email just saying, Amy, we need to put this on hold. And I thought, whoa, like, where is all my business going? What, what will happen? And for me, it even took a couple of days for me to go, okay, that, this is okay. Yes, it's something that I didn't expect and, yes, it's changed, but I can process this and I can accept it and I can own it to go, okay, this is my decision to kind of just take a step back and look at how do people need me now. Mm. Like, not what I plan to give them throughout April or through March. What do people need from me now in the current mm. situation? And mm. that's that ability to adapt. So I think for all of those people out there that have a great ability to, to adapt, for those people that are great with change, and mm. I love change, I think people that are great with change are really embracing this situation and mm. really you know, making the most of it. Because I think, you know, I want to look back and go, like, what do I want to remember about COVID-19? Mm. And, you know, it's not toilet paper. That's not what I want to remember. <laughs> I want to remember it be having a different <laughs> than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Amy, that brings us to the close for the session. Uh, thank you very much, Amy, because I think you shared light on, on an area that we don't normally talk mm -hmm. about. It's not a, uh, you know, and also it impacts our career, jobs and, and life in general. So thank you very much for spending some time and enlightening us. I'm pretty sure that the listeners found it useful. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this uh, will be turned into a podcast, so make sure that you subscribe to our podcast you can go and uh, you know find it on any of your search uh, you know podcast place and that will be available to you as well uh, caroline again uh, do you want to talk about the uh, do you post the link where people get yeah. notified for the linkedin live yeah amy that's fantastic I, I, just to recap with what nash had saying i think people it's been brought a different perspective to um, our conversations and people get a lot of value from it so yeah so the link to subscribe to get daily updates of what we're talking about i'll post at the bottom of the comments if you'd like to get that in your inbox every day instead of searching through linkedin um and yeah that that's that's basically what i wanted to say so well thank you so much for having me it has been an absolute pleasure and open invitation to everybody out there please contact me if there's anything that you want to ask or you want to talk about uh you know, I accept all connection requests, so please feel free to send me a connection request or a message Excellent. on LinkedIn or mm. jump over to my website and you can contact me many different ways there. Mm, fantastic. All right. Excellent. All right, everyone, we will see you tomorrow again, uh, you know, 3 p.m. Melbourne time, 10.30 a.m. India time. We'll bring another guest tomorrow uh, and, uh, you know, have a great Day ahead, uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay at home. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See you later. Thank you. See you later. Bye, bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
If you want to know more about how your career down under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.